But as we begin here today, I would invite you to pray with me once again as we start. Our Heavenly Father, I just uh, come to you just now, Lord, asking that the words that come from my mouth would be your words. Lord, I pray that you would help us to block the things from our mind that we have swirling around, maybe the, the patience or the the needs of the world that we have out there, Lord. Help us just to block those so that we can hear your voice just now. Lord, I just pray that as this story is told, it is your story, Lord. I pray that your name would be raised upon high. Lord, that what has happened to Don and I would be just a small thing compared to what it would be that you would have for everyone here. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I graduated from Loma Linda in 1985. Really excited. It was really hard to get through. I wasn't one of those perfect students, the ones I always envied. It took a while for me to get to, to really get things down, and, and it was hard to get through school. And I'll tell you what I celebrated. When I graduated from there, I had, had the world by the tail, and I was so excited about it. We could hardly wait to get back. We moved back to Peoria, Illinois, where I decided that I would associate with the dentist for a year, and then I was going to go back to California, where I was from, and we were going to, we were going to uh, set up our practice there. Well, that was 22 years ago, and we're still there. <laughs> it's been a long year. But what happened through that time was, was really incredible. For the first few years of my dental career, I ate, lived, and breathed dentistry. We had done all the sacrificing, and I had goals. Oh, yeah, I had all sorts of goals. I wanted to have the large home, nice cars, nice vacations, all the things that a good career could, could gain. And I can remember as time went on, it, was, it got so into me that, that that's all I could think about. I would, I would go to church, and I would have my head kind of down on the pew in front of me, and I'd, I'd be thinking about the production of the last week or the patients and what was coming on in the next week or the problems in the office. I couldn't get it out of my mind no matter what, what I was doing. It was so hard to even hear a sermon during those times. We had life really pretty well. We have four children, all adopted, all blessings from God. We were very involved with the church, school board chairman, one of the elders in the church, actually. But we didn't really have a focus on people on the outside. You see, I thought that there was two things. You have your church life and these things that you were done with and that I grew up with. And then on the other side, you had your career. And, and that, was, that, was the, what you, that was what you were really all about, was that career. I remember it was a cold winter weekend. We went up to see some good friends of ours, pastor friends up in Michigan, we drove up and we visited with them and remember we were sitting there talking and telling this the pastor about all the things that we were planning and a vacation that we were looking towards going on and I can remember him, a dear friend of ours, who said something that just completely took us back, took us completely back. He looked at my wife as she was talking and he said, Donna, what are you going to do with your pride? Wow, what do you mean, pride? I mean, she was a creator role leader. She was involved with the school as well. And 
We paid our tithe and we were good church members. What do you mean? What are we going to do with our pride? But you see, he cared enough about us to, to really cut to the chase. What are you going to do with your pride? She stayed up and the rest of us went to bed and she just was looking at that fire that night. And what she saw in there, what she saw was the future of a direction that we were going. Because eternally, that was where we would end up, in a fire. And on the way back from, um, to our home, we had to pass through Andrews University, and she stopped there and she, she got a new Bible. She looked and she got some other books. She got Leslie Harding's book about the wilderness sanctuary. She went home and she started reading that. She started studying. She started learning things. And it was really interesting because as time went on, she got so excited about what she was learning and where she was at that I'd come home at the end of the day and the breakfast dishes were still on the table. I was getting worried. That wasn't her. It wasn't like her. But as... She would get up early in the morning and she would go through these devotions. And I was, I was, as I was getting ready for work, she would start telling me about the things that she had been studying that day. And she would start reading them to me. And I can remember it going through my mind as I was working on patience and doing the usual drill and fill. But I would be thinking about what she said. And I can remember one day something happened. You see, I never really mixed the two, the, the, the church and the office. My spiritual walk and my business life. But one day my office manager came to me and she started telling me about problems that we were having in the office. And I said, you know, what we have to do here, I said, it's, it's very simple. If we're going to have backbiting that goes on, that's happening because the people aren't talking to each other. The Bible says that we should go to one another if that's the case. And I brought everybody together and for the first time I talked about what the Bible says. Matthew 18 principle. And how that we should talk to each other, and if there was any problems, then, then get someone else, and, and, but, but try to work it out amongst themselves. And it made a difference in our, in our office. Things started calming down. And it was soon after that, I walked into our office manager's office, and I could tell something was very wrong. And she was in there, and I, I just looked at her, and I just said, Ange, what's going on? And she started telling me about things that was going on in her life, and, and I looked at her, and I said, you know... Without God in your life, these things are never going to change. And then she did something that absolutely changed my life. She looked at me and she said, Would you and Donna, would you guys mind studying with my husband and I? And I was taken back because I'd never done a Bible study. I was thinking, well, we, you know, the, the pastor, he does some, and we, the head elder, he's doing some Bible studies, but me... No, I was 37 years old at the time, 20 years of Adventist education, all sorts of seminars all the way along, and nice things. We had all the stuff, all the training, but not once have I ever given a Bible study to someone that was not an Adventist. And I just kind of blurted out, well, sure. (laughs) And I walked out, and she went to the assistant office manager, and she told the assistant office manager, she said, I am so excited. Doc and his wife are going to study with my husband and I. And the assistant office manager, she looks at her and she says this. She says, you know, my husband and I, we, we really don't know 
anything about the Bible. Do you, do you think they would mind if we came too? And so we ended up doing this Bible study with my office manager, the assistant office manager, their husbands. I went home that night and I told Donna what was going on and I was pretty excited about it, but we were pretty nervous and we didn't know what to do. And I got all of these brochures out and got the dust off of them and, and started looking at the, the It Is Written and the Amazing Facts stuff and all the different, you know, different stuff that's out there. And I went through a whole bunch of them. Nothing seemed to, nothing seemed to fit. Donna and I got together and we did one thing right. We got on our knees and we prayed. We just asked God to guide us along the way. We got up off of our knees and we both felt impressed that what we needed to do is we just needed to simply start in the scripture. Just open up the Bible. Just start in Genesis. And our whole goal, we decided, was that if we could get them to learn how to study their Bible, if they could just learn how to search scripture for themselves, then we would have reached the goal. You see, if you teach someone to fish, they can eat for a lifetime. If you give them a fish, they only have a good meal if they're not a vegetarian. But if they're teaching through scripture, if they, if they learn how to search the scriptures, they can eat for a lifetime through this. And I can remember that first day when we got together and they, they, they came to our house. Donna and I were at, at this quandary and it was, it was a half hour before we started and we got in this, this argument. And we were just at each other's throat over, I don't even remember what. But I remember one thing. I remember stopping and saying, Donna, hold it. Let's pray. We have people that are coming here. Let's just pray. Let's just ask God to be here. We got down and we knelt and asked God to guide and direct in this study. They came and we started teaching them about, about Scripture. We had two things that we, we started with with this, scripture, with this Bible study. One was that only thing we were going to bring to the table was the Bible and that the Bible was indeed the Word of God. And if it is in the Bible and it's definitely true. The Bible cannot contradict itself because if it does, then it cannot be perfect. So therefore, the areas where it appears to contradict itself, we have to search into that more deeply and find out where the, where the problem is and how it does fit together. We taught them how to cross-reference their scripture. And this was so exciting. They were getting so excited about it week after week. It got to be the thing that I only looked forward to. It no longer was drill and fill. I could hardly wait for that Sunday night to come along. Oh, by the way, they, all had, they both had young kids. We have an indoor pool in our, our home, and so we got a, a local swimming teacher to come, and they taught the kids swimming classes. Neither one of the kids knew how to swim. So even if the parents wanted to miss, the kids wouldn't let them miss because they wanted swimming class. But it was such an exciting time, and by Christmas of that time, it had grown to 17 people. You see, as... This young couple, or these two young couples, the one young couple, his parents came to him and they said, you know, there's something different about you kids. There's something that seems really different. Could it be that Bible study you guys have been going to? Do you think that they would mind if we came too? This happened over and over until we had a whole bunch of people that were there. But it was at Christmas time. This is an exciting thing. Don, our office manager's husband, He's an ex-Marine and a uh, big, strong, tough guy. And he, he comes to us and he says, man, this is so great. I am so excited about this. Here we are studying God's scripture at Christmas time, the day Jesus was born. And Donna looks at him. She says, oh, is that right? She says, 
you mean Jesus was actually born on Christmas Day? And he said, oh, yeah, everybody knows that. And she said, well, Don, would you mind finding that in Scripture and bringing it back to me? I've, I've been looking for that. He said, okay, sure, I'll get that. I'll bring it back next week. So we're laughing all week long, wondering what this is going to bring. He comes in that following week, and he takes his Bible, and he puts it down on the table, and he's shaking his head. And he says, I did not find anywhere where Jesus was born on Christmas Day. But I'll tell you what I did find. Saturday is the Sabbath. (laughs) I looked at Donna, and she looked at me, and our good Baptist friend presented our our Sabbath message to, to the group that day. It was those kinds of things. Week after week, it just became so exciting. It absolutely changed my life. As they would ask us questions, we didn't have the answers. Sometimes I would look at Donna and I'd present it to the people. I'd say, well, what do you think? We would go and we would start cross-referencing from scripture to scripture. Sometimes we wouldn't have it at all and we would just simply leave it alone. We wouldn't give them the answer. We would just say, let's just search this out and next week we're going to come back with an answer. Then I'd get on the phone to my good pastor friend and ask him... (laughs) and have something for him for the next week. But this was going so well. And the people were so convicted. But I hadn't yet invited him to church. See, I was kind of a little bit afraid to invite him to church. What if they said no? One day they came up to us and they said, you know, um, Rod and Donna, do you think, uh, well, would you mind if maybe, could, could we go to church with you this coming week? And we said, yeah, that would be great. And so the two young couples, they came to church. They came for a couple of weeks, and if you haven't had an experience, and some of our, some of our ch- church services have someone who's never been in a church service sit right next to you. It's eye-opening. Because some of the jargon that we use on some of our, some of our um, Adventist jargon may not make sense to these, especially if they're young people. And I started hearing questions like, is there any other songs that are sung that wasn't in the 1800s or earlier? Um, why is only the, the, um, the men up front? Is there ever any women that pray? Um, why do we have all of, these, all of these announcements that are going on? Is there, you know, I'm, I'm just curious. It seems like we could spend more time doing something else. I started hearing questions, and these are young people that I've just now fallen in love with. In fact, we went to Cancun with these, with these people. Uh, during this whole time, they were wanting to do something that was, that was exciting to do. We ended up going to Cancun and doing a, a vacation together. I loved them. They became my friends. In fact, they were, they were, they were like family. And one day, they came and they told me, well, it was a, a Sabbath that we were there. And they came after that Sabbath service and they said, Rod, you know, we're really enjoying the service, the, the, the Bible studies. But we're really not gaining anything from the church service. I don't think we want to do church anymore. And it hit like a ton of bricks. This is the church that I was married in, the church our kids were baptized, dedicated in. My wife was born and raised in this church. It was a wonderful church, wonderful people. Our friends were all there. But they didn't identify with this. I went to our, we had a meeting right after that, and, uh, and we went to the conference president, who that's all we could talk about anymore was this study. So he asked, well, Rod and Donna, how are, the me- how are the Bible studies coming? And I said, well, I told him what happened. And he looked at me and he said, you guys need to plant a church. 
I said, what do you mean plant a church? We're not farmers. We can't plant anything. He said, you need to start a church. And we said, no. And he came back a second time and he said, Rod and Donna, please consider planting a church. We only have one church in this community. We would like to have a second church. If they're not identifying with that, then maybe they would identify with a different service. We said no a second time. He came back a third time and asked us, and by then we were feeling really impressed and compelled to do so. I couldn't understand how I could do this. By this time, I was so busy. We, we barely had time for the Bible studies, and the practice was doing was flourishing. It was going so well. There was no way I had time to actually put anything together. How in the world could we do that? Besides that, I wasn't an upfront speaker. I could only... I was too timid to do such a thing. We decided we would go ahead and try it. We went to the people, and, and the thing is that brought us to this was our love for them. Because we couldn't stand the thought of them not identifying with the church. We went to this group, and we asked them, we said, would you like to begin a church service where we would actually worship together on Sabbath. By now they were convicted on the Sabbath. They were staying home, but they weren't there. And why God had called us to this, I don't know. Yes, I do, because we needed a second church in this community. And we learned a very close lesson from here. We searched around for a right area, and we couldn't, we couldn't find a church that was open that would rent to us. And finally, my wife said to me, she said, Rod, why don't we just start in the waiting room of the dental office? I said, we can't do that. It's a dental office. How do we do that? Well, I had a nice vaulted ceiling. And so we ended up thinking, well, we could take all the pictures out. And that's what we ended up doing. We took all the pictures down from dentistry and took all the, the waiting room chairs out. And we put in nice chairs and put an old podium up front. And we started doing church service there. We learned a very important principle, and that is this. It's an impr- a principle that we all need to know very closely, especially as we're thinking about, about what we're called here with amen, and that is this. Start where you are with who you have with what you have. All Peter had was a boat. That's all he had, and Jesus took that boat, and he went out on the water, and he preached an incredible message from Peter's boat. All we had was, all we had was a dental office. So we started in the dental office with who we had, the people that we were studying with, with what we had, the Spirit of God. And we were there for six months, and it was such an exciting time, and it grew, and finally there was a bunch of kids in there, and they were just having to sit in the front, and all the, all the adults were, were sitting on the chairs, and we were just loving life. But we felt that God hadn't called us to just simply grow to this point. We were just packed in like sardines, but we needed to do something else, and we called for a meeting that night. A meeting at our house, and we asked the people if they would like to do that. They said yes. We decided to search out the area and come back the following week to decide and see if there was another place that we could, that we could meet. following week, we get back together. And our adult lesson teacher, not yet a Seventh-day Adventist, you see we haven't had any baptisms yet, was Donna and I and one other couple. We couldn't do it all, so our adult lesson teacher was not a baptized member. Our youth director was not a baptized member. Our clerk was not a baptized member. Our head deacon was not a baptized member. But we got together that night, and um, he says, well, we couldn't find anything. There was only one person who found something. It was an empty building, a school building, and that we should should look and see what that looks like. We decided we would go, and, and he had made arrangements to go and see it the following day. We went and checked it out, 
but this is what the custodian that showed us the building told us. 16 classroom building. It's on um, uh, this 25,000 square foot building on 10 acres, two ball diamonds, gorgeous building. And he says, well, yeah, I can show you some area that you can rent, but it's going up for sale. Minimum bid's 150000 I'm sure somebody's going to bid on it. And um, so by then I decided, well, we're not going to be able to rent this. We come to the meeting that night, and our good friend, the adult lesson school te- teacher, that Sabbath, the lesson study was on stepping into the Jordan and going across into the, into the promised land. And he looks at me and, uh, and he says, well, I think we need, to get into the, we need to get this building. He says, you know, we need to just step into the water and do it. And I told him, I said, you know, folks, I don't think we can do this. And let me tell you why. You see, as a company status with our church, we've been very careful in making sure our tithe went to the conference. And we had followed the guidelines right down the way, had been organized through the conference. Everything was to the book, to the T, exactly what the conference had asked us to do. But one thing that we could not do is purchase property as a church. And so I tell him, I say, you know, I'd like to do this, but we really, well, we're not at a church status. To become a church, we're at a company status. I go through and try and explain this to him. And, you know, and he says, well, what does it take to become a church? And I said, well, they, they look at the tithe base that you have and, you know, how long you've been there, the number of people that you have that's, that's coming, and, you know, the number of baptisms that you had. And he looks at me and he says, What's it take to be baptized? And I looked at my wife, and I looked at him, and I said, you have to raise your hand. And he looked at his wife, and he raises his hand, and Linda raises her hand, and Willie raised his hand, and Angela raises her hand, and David, he raises his hand. Debbie raises her hand. We had eight people that night raise their hand for baptism in our business meeting. I'm fighting back tears. I can hardly stand it. We get down on our knees and we pray about it. We get up off of our knees and we vote on this. And we we vote, and yes, it was unanimous that we're going to buy this church building. And I put in there, I said, you know, if we're going to do this, then we need to at least make sure that we allow God to, to, um, we need to throw out a fleece. The fleece is this. We're going to put minimum bid, $150,000 on the building. If anyone builds on, if anyone bids a dollar more than that, then it wasn't for us. If God wants us to have it, no one else will bid on the building. And they will guarantee that everything works. They'll fix the roof and everything works well for a year. Well, I called my dad that night and told him what we had done. And he says, well, yeah, I said, we just did something we can't do. And I don't know how, you know, and told him about the whole thing. And he said, well, why don't we just purchase it privately? And then we'll just let the church rent it from us. And that way it's just renting. I said, well, that's great. Turns out that is the only bid that came in. We got it for $150,000. They did agree with the with guaranteeing that everything would work, fix the roof, the whole thing. What we did not realize is that when you donate a, a building to a nonprofit organization, you get to write off the appraised value, not what you paid for it. It appraised at $800,000. We literally pay, saved more in taxes than what the building cost. That is what can happen when we step out in faith and we do what God has called us to do. These baptisms, I only have about three more minutes here. It is so incredible. We've had had a little over 100 baptisms in this time period. It's absolutely changed our lives. My life is no longer about drilling and filling. I got to tell you just a couple of stories of of things that happened. One person, he came in right after this that we had 
um, we were having an air conditioning problem, and local heating and air conditioning guy, he comes to us, and um, Willie had just been baptized, someone that uh, was, he was my maintenance man at the time, and he was the one that had just, one of them that had just been baptized, and so he was showing the air conditioning guy around, and the guy says, well, you know, i got to get a few parts. I fixed it up, but I'll be back in just a few days, and we'll get it fixed. And Willie says, that's, that's fine. Any time but Friday night or Saturday, uh, we're not open then. He says, oh, I wouldn't come then anyway. That's the Lord's Day. And Willie steps back, and he says, where do you go to church? And he says, well, I don't go to church. I just know that's the Lord's Day. And he said, we got to talk. Turns out that someone had given a, a, a great controversy to him at his home, couldn't and it sat there for six months. He finally had picked it up, read about it, and was convicted on the Sabbath. I talked to him, and he says, I don't know who this E.G. White guy is, but boy, he's really great. <laughs> we baptized. We baptized George. There are so many stories like this that I can tell you, but I can tell you I'd like to just finish with this. What if we had said no? What if we had said we cannot do this? What if we had said no, Lord, not me? Where would we be? We've had a problem with time, and I, I finally came, to, I got on my knees one day, and I prayed, Lord, you're the creator of time. Create me some time. We don't have time to get all of this done, and I was impressed that I needed to hire another dentist. Our practice has absolutely flourished since the point that we started this 10 years ago to now. We now have nine dentists that work for me, four specialists, a full-service dental laboratory, a huge, huge dental base, our practice is in the top one half of one percent in the nation. And I have more time for ministry than I've ever had. We don't have problems that God does not have answers to. God does not call us to something without giving us the ability to do it. And as health professionals, God has called us here for a reason and for a purpose. The experience that we've had is we're just ordinary people. There's nothing special about us. But God can take ordinary people and he can do something incredible with ordinary people. If we had said no, we would have missed out on, the, on seeing the miracles of lives changed. My wife and I co-pastor the church. We've never had a paid pastor there. We're treated like the pastors and the rest of them. We go to all the pastors' meetings. We actually have pastors' credentials. Been doing the baptisms. They finally got tired of coming down and doing the baptisms and told us that we should start doing them ourselves. But it's been such an incredible time, an incredible life. Again, what I would like to leave you with is this. Start where you are, with who you have, with what you have. Pray and ask God to send someone, to make it clear in your mind what it is that God would have you to do so that you too can experience a lifetime of joy in Christ. Thank you.